One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello everybody from Backpage, my name is Neil White and you're listening to the big interview with Graham Hunter at the World Cup. We have got Graham Hunter on the line, but since his primary function at this tournament, which was covering every step of Spain's journey, has been completed, we can also welcome back mainstay, some would say star of our regular Q&A shows, Pete Jensen. Hello Pete, how has your World Cup been? It's been good, yeah. A bit spoiled on Saturday night um, when I thought we played very England played very well against France, but still got dumped out um, in the quarterfinals with a penalty involved. So it's same old story. But I'm looking forward to the uh, Osasuna World Cup final with Abde on one side and um, Budimir on the other. Not exactly the same World Cup story. It was. It was. What's that Morecambe and Wise um, meme that you often wheel out, Graham? All the right notes, not necessarily in the right order, sunshine. And Andre Previn says, I'll go and get my baton. It's in Chicago. And there it goes. I like him. I'm sorry if we've lost you already, dear listener. We are speaking today about the semi-finals, primarily the first semi-final um, of the World Cup coming your way in about 27 hours as we record this, Argentina versus Croatia. And we began this um, by asking our socios, our extra special listeners at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter for their thoughts on this match and the the two teams, the star players that will be watching. The first uh, response came in from socio Chris Hennigan. Thank you, Chris, who says, Hi, Graham. I don't think this is a particularly great Argentina side. Whilst Croatia seemed very much the sum of all their parts, other than perhaps missing an out-and-out goalscorer. That being said, I cannot look beyond the almost supernatural talent of Messi. His sheer willpower to win for his country and crown his incredible career drags Argentina through for me. However, I'd be fascinated for your thoughts on whether collectively Croatia can outcompete Argentina in every other area of the pitch and so gentlemen I was wondering if we could use Chris's comments as a way to look at Messi's World Cup to date and whether you think he is cooking up something extra special in what I think most people are assuming is going to be his final shot at this tournament 
if you're asked to focus on a team, it makes it, particularly if you're TV producing rather than writing, it makes it really difficult to carve out proper time to sit down and analytically watch most of the other games. But when Leo Messi's playing in what I'm quite certain will be his last World Cup, yeah, I, I did take time. I, I um, the, There were games when I, I didn't think he was as as powerful as he needed to be uh, and clearly um that didn't apply to the two knockout matches particularly the last one where um it was the epitome of what began to be the debate i, I don't know 4 or 5 years ago when Leo Messi not being either massively important in a sprint or a or a or a vicious dribble or necessarily putting in an enormous amount of uh, mileage in a game stopped mattering. And the way in which he so nonchalantly nicked away the penalty, but also the brilliance, the utter brilliance of the ball to Molina, which everybody's commented upon, seemed to me to be emblematic for a World Cup whereby, just like in Brazil where they reached the final. And again, Messi needed only to excel in, in, in moments. And particularly, what, what was the wonder goal? Was it against Nigeria, I think? Uh, was it 3-2? Was it um, the way in which he now completely understands when to erupt in a match and normally has the capacity to do so. And the way in which this legendary thing about him scanning... That's one during this tournament. It was one of the things I've tried to pay attention to, is how he, how much when the ball's actually nowhere near him, he's not only wandering around but but scanning and and soaking up data which help him to make big decisions in the right time. One of the things I hope that Neil, you and Pete and I do, I genuinely hope we do, is sum our experience up and be honest too, because there have been. <laughs> more than a dozen occasions across all Argentina's games where Messi has taken a blind alley where it, it, the tank has been empty and he's wanted to do something and hasn't been able to pull it off. I've seen in this match, I've genuinely seen in, seen in this um, tournament uh, 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 a guy in his mid-30s who is pungently motivated yet can't do everything, can't... He can turn a game in on his own in moments, but cannot win a 90, 120-minute game um, on his own because physically that's not his, his task. It's not his um, capability anymore. I, I believe we saw that when, when Holland decided in the last game to say, it, not, not just, not really all in, but here's the tactic. Here's the thing Argentina won't be able to cope with. We'll, we'll use Van Dijk up front a little bit, but he'll be allowed to stay there when we're up for as much as he chooses. We'll put Vekost and we'll put De Jong, who should have been playing much more. And one of the things that was fascinating to me was Argentina tried, once they realised what was going on, to, to block the delivery in by people pressing two or three players in, in, in revolution, no, rotation, trying to stop delivery from the wing in. And the Argentinian players were running around like mad things, trying to stop the danger at source. And, and obviously Messi wasn't. And while that mad period was happening when Holland went 
We know what we're aiming for. We know where the ball has to be delivered from. Messi was became irrelevant. What I'll close on is that I've had the good fortune to see a Scaloni interview today that isn't yet out, isn't yet broadcast, and um, he talked about the, the the difference he sees. He was asked about it, and he talked about the difference he sees in motiv- Messi's motivation, the level of competitive aggression, how. Um, how brutal he got during the game and after the game in attitudes, in nose to nose with Van Hal, in in not cursing out Veghorst but but calling out Veghorst who only wanted to come over and shake hands and make a point in the interview and everybody said everybody saw him saying what are you looking at Bobo and all this kind of stuff. I I again I think that is um. A, a symbolic, a, a metaphor for the way the entire inter- Argentinian squad is acting right now. N- not necessarily Scaloni, who's infamous for trying to to keep players calm and focused, and not allow the the fieriness or the, the, the destinies for us or destinies against us Argentinian traits. He's the coach who's trying to e- even all of that out. But there is a narrative, which whether it's led by Messi or he's happy to surf it, I, I think led by, which is, and I'm sorry for the language, fuck the world, they're all against us, everybody's after us, you know, bollocks to Brazil, now they're out, They'll everybody will want us out, everybody's slagging us off, Van Hal's had a dig at us, um, Van De- uh, Virgil van Dijk's had a dig at us, they sa- saving things up for after match. There was a there was a wagon circling Alex Ferguson. Get out there and show them all that I think Messi is is extremely capable of using. And I know we've now graduated, or I've graduated, to talking about him off the pitch rather than on the pitch, um, which I think was um, Chris's. You know, Chris's drive was: is it going to be supernatural Messi to get them through? What I've watched about Argentina, I've found them a little bit, you know, prosaic, a little bit pedantic in midfield. And I think that's the key where the, the, the game could could turn. And Scaloni said that he expects it to be extra time. He's talked about three days to recover, tiring. The best medicine, the best recuperation is the fact that they won the last game. But um, with two fullbacks missing and, and DePaul, although I had a chat with a a pal on Twitter recently who loved the way De Paul's playing, loved his tournament. He's not to my taste, and I think there's a really big thing about how and when Messi receives the ball in this next match against Croatia that will will go a long way to dictating what Argentina we see and whether Argentina go to the final. Pete, I guess the irony is when it comes to that um, us against the world mentality is that the reality is that I would suggest the majority of football fans all over the world would love nothing more than to see Leo Messi win the World Cup with Argentina. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think Argentina are trying to invent something that maybe is not really there. And actually, a couple of the, the big decisions that we've seen so far... I mean, Messi could have been sent off against Holland. He was already, he'd already been booked and he handballed. It could easily have been the night Matteo Lajos would, was having. That would have been the cherry on the top for him to send Leo Messi off and... And rule him out of the semi-final. I, I interviewed uh, Tagliafico before the World Cup and he spoke about the importance of winning the Copa America and particularly for the pl- the older players, Di Maria and Messi, and particularly for Messi, just lifting the pressure um, and lifting this, you know, this 
almost curse on him that he'd been to so many finals um, and, and not won a trophy. And, and he just said that now, in part because of winning the Copa America and also in part because he knows this is the end, there's a realisation that he has to enjoy it and he has to absolutely make the most of it. And he said one thing, he said before he was playing with the weight of the whole nation on his shoulders, now he's just playing for his kids. You know, he's playing for his sons and, and, and he wants to win it for them. Um, and he has been a real leader in the way that we've never, ever seen him before. You know, he's the spirit of, of Maradona almost. Um, I don't think they've been great. I agree with, with, with Graham. I think in fairness to DePaul, I thought DePaul was appalling at the start of the tournament. And, and we no one could really understand here um, in Spain, having watched so many poor performances for, for Atleti, why he was being kept in the team. But I think... The, I think the faith in him has been repaid. I think he's, he runs his legs off. I think McAllister's been good. I think he's been one of the real bright spots. Enzo Fernandez, there was that lovely story about him having written five years ago on social media, sticking up for Messi, defending him at a time when Messi was thinking about quitting the international side and now he finds himself alongside him. They're a real um, you know, band of warriors, um, the big keeper as well. And, and it was interesting when um, they, get the, they score the winning penalty against the Dutch. And everyone runs um, to who scores the who scores the winning penalty, Graham. Um, Lautaro Martinez, who has to who has to batter the Dutch goalkeeper out of his way in order to take the penalty. Yeah, which exactly, which is why a lot of the criticism of Argentina's behaviour needs to take into account the way the Dutch behave as he's walking up to take that spot kick. But everyone in the team runs to to Lautaro. Messi doesn't. Messi goes to the keeper um, because the keeper has been incredible in that shootout. Two really strong arm saves. Two of the best penalty saves I've seen in, in, in shootouts. Uh, so it's coming together for them. I think they've got better with every game. They suffer in every single match. They're going to suffer again. Um, I think they're going to miss um, the two fullbacks. Acuna in particular because Acuna drives forward. His final ball is not often very good. But he does drive forward and he does give them width down that left-hand side, which they don't have otherwise. I think they've suffered without Di Maria. The, 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 new, the news today was, was positive about Di Maria, even to the point of hinting that he might start. But I find that incredible that he's only fit for eight minutes against Holland and now he can start a game. So let's see. I, they're, they're much better with him in the team, even with the eight minutes he played in the, in the game against um, the Netherlands. Um, but Croatia are going to make it so difficult for them. I, I mean, I'm, I suppose it will be about slowing it down when Croatia have the ball and obviously being intense when Argentina have it. That midfield three, Brozovic has had another good World Cup, Kovacic as well. Um, and maybe the Bud Budimir coming on late on. I, mean, I joked about him at the start, about you know Budimir getting to the final. But you, we saw what Vekhorst did to Argentina in the air twice late in the game. So maybe if Croatia can stay in it, and Budimir comes on, then you start slinging long diagonal crosses and he gets on the end of one of them. And we share a taste for, for Budimir because it's really easy, Pete, to, to start list things that maybe aren't his specialty, but it's his run across against Brazil that opens up the space before the left-wing ball comes into Petkovic so that there's room for, for Petkovic to finish. And that might be a small... It is a small contribution, but he had very little time on the pitch, and and when he came on, it it mattered. And he is a, he's not somebody who's going to nick you two three goals. He's not going to do a Gonzalo Ramos, but he's smart, and and smarts matter at this stage more than the group, more than the qualifying. Just before we go on to Croatia, guys, 
Pete, you actually touched on something that another one of our listeners, our socios, Gustavo Bagatini, mentions, which is, uh, as he describes it, Argentina's shithousery coming back to bite them. Um, the barrage of bookings means they deal with two suspensions. No Cunha, as you said. Um, Pete probably means Tagliafico and a switch to a back four. Also no Montiel to relieve Molina, who already played 105 minutes for the Dutch. That's another thing to, to consider. I mean, all these teams... Uh, you know, went the distance, or rather both these teams, Argentina and Croatia, went the distance, the bench suddenly becomes even more important than it already was in a World Cup played in extraordinary circumstances. Do you think those little, in a, in a game that was perhaps already super tight, did the limited resources, the further limited resources, put Argentina in a bit of a corner? Well, I think Croatia must be exhausted as well. I mean, t- t- the two knockout games they played so far both went to penalties. They were in the hardest group, probably, um, in with, with, with Morocco and Belgium. Um, so I, I don't think there's a, there's a physical advantage for, for, for Croatia. I, I think in terms of what the team will be, I think it does depend on Di Maria. I think if Di Maria is fit, they can go back to 4-3-3. If he isn't, I, I'm, they might have to play with the three centre-backs again and Tagliafico... Um, and Molina as 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 the wing backs, um, so that the, their options aren't aren't great either. Um, it's been an exhaust. I mean, Graham has already touched on, uh, you know, in, in other broadcasts how exhausted the players are, and we've seen it in this tournament. And and um, both Argentina and Croatia, Argentina because they've suffered in every single game, and Croatia because they they haven't been able to win in ninety minutes in the knockout stage, and they had such a tough group, both coming into the game on the last legs. But I think when you're potentially one hundred eighty minutes from being world champions, that almost goes out the window a little bit, doesn't it? I think as well, I don't know, I factually don't know about Foyth's state. But he's he's there if he's available. We've seen that Foyth is not only ultra rugged, really um, intense in the tackle, quick to cover for teammates, and somebody who is, is not that similar to either... Molina or Acuna in in how often he wants to get forward or what he does when he gets forward, but it's it's like having a a centre back or a mock centre back at full back and I, I I hope I'm not out of place I hope it's not the case that Foyth has has said over the last twenty four hours I'm not in any nick to play but he's there you know he's picked he's there I'd I'd, I'd like to think he's, he becomes a resource and on on that thing about Croatia I think it. I think they begin to test stereotypes and begin to test our understanding and our language. I I remember um, when when the late great much beloved Walter Smith was at Everton, and we knew an awful lot less about Croatia as a footballing nation. I remember having a very boozy, admittedly, lunch with him in London, where he said, "You you don't sign Croatians." off the back of tournaments because they're useless between tournaments. They hide, they spend a couple of years doing nothing, and then in tournaments, they're extraordinary, they're talented, they're feisty, they're exactly what you want, and then dope. And of course, being young and stupid and mouthy and a bottle in, you know, it got really feisty and noisy where I was like, Walter, that's rubbish, that's just a stereotype, it's rubbish. So I'm about to reproduce something of the same ilk because, you know, that theme of tiredness, that theme of extra time, that theme of recuperation between matches, 
in the World Cup, when somehow Croatia got through to the final and eventually they didn't, whether they tried, they flagged a little bit against France and allowed France to play. They went extra time against Denmark and penalties, extra time against Russia and penalties, extra time against England. And, and having been slapped around by England a little bit after that opening brilliant free kick, just gradually reeled them in and went, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and it was one of the tributaries towards the way in which we assess Southgate now, and particularly after the Italy game in the Euros, that he didn't quite see it, that he wasn't quite able to react. Maybe it was simply England's... Um, need to to mature in tournament play and develop a little bit, but that semi final, Croatia were for fifty minutes were dead and buried, and then they weren't, and and that three straight hundred and twenty minute games where they go through, they play a hundred and twenty minute game against Spain last summer in the European Championships where um, again you know they're dead, and then in the death of the game they they equalise and okay they lose an extra time. And I, there isn't a scientific background for what I'm about to argue, but having come through a Spain campaign where I, I watched them, you talked about boots in the ground, Neil, they, their attitude, their fraternal band of brothers feeling, the quality of the coach, the quality of the facilities, in general, the quality of the players, the quality of their possession, all these things. What what was lacking was if if somehow you could suck a little bit of Croatian DNA and go like, well, we're not beaten and this is what we'll do to win and this is how we're going to get through that. So if I'm repeating the same in reverse, you know, I'm, I'm going to the other end of the rainbow as Walter did about, well, this is what Croatians do, Gav, you know what I mean? That's, I think it's based on evidence. I think it's extraordinary. I think that the more that it's piled against them, the more that people count them out, the harder it is for them to go through, the, the much more they like it. It's inevitably difficult that they had such a draining time. But click your fingers, you're out against Brazil. Click your fingers and then bosh, down the left, into the middle, Petkovic gold. It's as if they went, oh, oh, you, we need to score now, do we? Yeah, all right, all right, fine. Yeah, no problem. All right, bolt and power. Here we come, Pekovic. There is something about whether it's inherited, whether it's DNA, whether it's in the book, whether it's shared mentality and it's taught, you know, nature or nurture. The the creation side, and and you can you can specify. I think what I'm arguing into various players because Modric is wasn't a Ballon d'Or winner isn't still the one of the best players in, in in the world because of his talents or his diet. It's about attitude and mentality too. And the and Scaloni talked today about their ability to have cold-blooded mentality in crucial moments. That, I think, is what Scaloni fears most. And therefore, you know, was it... Um, it was Gustavo who was talking about, you know... Um, Will it be, you know, Croatia's, the fact that Argentina look under-resourced at full-back be the, the difference? I, I think that if Croatia put a hex on Argentina and say to them, look, 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 because of how we are, this isn't your day. The curse is coming back. 
Taliaficos point to Pete was really interesting and it was what I was trying to say less articulately. That's what Croatia will try to do. They'll try to put a hex on Argentina and say to them over and over again, this isn't your day, we want this more than you do. We're going to show you how it is that we consistently outperform the size of our footballing power. OK, let's take a quick break now when we come back more on that Modric fellow. Plus, we reveal what our listeners think is going to happen. Uh, we're back. Um, Pete Jensen, Graham Hunter, I will tell you that we asked our socios in a, in a poll on patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter, where you too can sign up for uh, interactive moments such as this, what they thought was going to happen when Croatia and Argentina meet in the World Cup semi-final. Their options were Croatia in 90 minutes, Argentina in 90 minutes, Croatia extra time or penalties, and Argentina extra time or penalties. 7% of our respondents thought that Croatia are going to win within 90 minutes. 29% that Argentina would win in regulation time. 29% that Argentina would win in extra time or penalties. And 36%, the, the, the winning option was that Croatia will win by going the absolute distance in this semi-final. And Juan Fernandez. Uh, is one of the socios that we don't actually hear from that that often. Not even sure if I've seen that name before. So Juan, thank you very much for your support and thank you for getting in touch today. Juan says, I would love to see Modric and Croatia go all the way. Modric is one of football's good guys and I think he maybe deserves it more than anyone. Ask Rodrigo. He's referencing, of course, what giving Gustavo's earlier point um, should be described as reverse shithousery when uh, Rodrigo missed his penalty and, and, and Modric was one of the first to, to console his club teammate. Um, Pete, let's start with you. How big a force is, if we've talked about Messi's um, sort of centrifugal force when it comes to Argentina, then how important is Modric to the Croatian unit? Um, I'm, he, he's not been quite as important in this World Cup as he was four years ago in terms of whether they play well or not. Um, I think he has huge, um, apart from what he still does on the pitch, I think he has huge symbolic feel, uh, importance still. I think you see him in the tunnel and, and the other side know what, what they're up against. How many years ago was it, Graham, that we were arguing the toss about Modric's Ballon d'Or and Messi had had a very good year and really the numbers said Messi um, and it was a sort of lifetime achievement award for Modric, wasn't it? And we thought at the time that you know that was it for Modric and here we are again... Um, four years on, and he's you know he's 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 close to another finals. Um, amazing, really, because he's sort of he won the Ballon d'Or, and and I think at the time people thought, well, he's won it, but he's not really a Ballon d'Or, is he? But I think he will retire as a Ballon d'Or, and just as he wears the ten for Real Madrid, and and perhaps when he first did, people would have said, well, he's not really a ten, is he? But he he retires as a ten, and he retires as probably the 
best midfield player in Real Madrid's history. Um, uh, I don't. I don't think I. I give Croatia a better chance than I give Morocco. But, but just going back to the poll that you've just that you've just spoken about. But I. I don't think uh, Croatia are going to have enough. But uh, if they do, boy, what a what a last game for Modric. I mean, he he might as well just you know drop the mic at the end of that one. And and I think at the end of the season, he. he I, I suspect he will leave Real Madrid. We don't know. It's not been spoken about yet. Um, but with so much young talent already there, and and maybe one more coming in. Uh, they're probably not going to get Belly and maybe they get Enzo Fernandez. He, he might, um, after another fantastic tournament, say not, not only is that it with Croatia, but it's it with Real Madrid as well. We'll see. But yeah, I mean, he's he's huge, isn't he, for them? Graham, how would you have answered that poll? I, I, I think, well, how would I have answered the poll? I, I Well, look, this is a World Cup which teaches you <laughs> shut up. <laughs> is, that, is that your Croatian way of asking me who's going to win this game? Um, I see. I definitely, unquestionably, consider Croatia as as easily having a possibility of winning this. If they had an outright punishing uh, goal scorer, I, I might even say that I think they're their favourites. I I was I'm attracted by the way in which, um, although it was last gasp. Van Hal said, this is how we undo them. And this is when we undo them. And I like Dalic. I think Slako Dalic is, is, is smart. I think he understands his players, what they can do, how to deploy them well. I, I 100% think that, um, that Scaloni is, is, is looking up at somebody with talents that, Although Scaloni's winning ratio or undefeated ratio coming into the Saudi Arabia game doesn't necessarily say that he's got all the chops that Dalic has. So do I think that Croatia are going to win? Um, I no, I, I I I think there is something about Argentina that Pete described from his Taliafico interview that we saw on the pitch, particularly against um, Holland, but but must have been evident on the training ground, and I wasn't there, although they were, you know, several hundred yards away at Qatar University on, on training pitch number six, I think. Um, th- those sessions after the Saudi Arabia game must have imitated the, the, the pressure and the fear of Spain and South Africa when they knew that no team had ever lost the first game and had gone on to win it. And OK, Argentina do have a path that they can follow because they know that Spain, many compañeros of Leo Messi did do that against Switzerland and went on and, and won. And, and Argentina weren't rubbish against Saudi Arabia. They, were, they, they didn't defend particularly cleverly. And they did suffer at right back. They did get exposed at right back a little bit in the way in which the chances were allowed. I have Argentina as minor favourites, and I want to go. But when you talked about Modric, I want to give uh, kudos to Kev Kilban. Kev Kilban, a big interview guest, and he left a message for me before the tournament about how to meet up in Doha and said, I've been doing my calculations, and if you look at a fit, fully functioning midfield of um, Brozovic and Modric and Kovacic, he said, I don't think pound for pound there's a better midfield in the tournament. Now, Kev, here we are. That's I go back to where I think the game can be won. And and I think that Argentina don't have a midfield that, never mind talent, that in any way resembles how those three function with 
one or other of the fullbacks for Croatia coming up because the concepts are entirely different. Argentina are masticating the ball in the game about how is it we get it to Messi at the right time, not in the penalty area, but we're moving and showing and giving and turning and for one, about one reason. And Croatia are nothing like that. So Modric's uh, efficacy and greatness in this side correlates with what Pete said about it, not necessarily being his most important, his most dramatic tournament. Because he's got two players around him, neither of whom have been outrageous. Particularly Kovacic, I'd expect more about. Brozovic's work rate, you talked about Paul. Brozovic's attitude... My creation colleague tells me that... 17 kilometres, Graham, against Japan. 17 kilometres. <laughs> and and uh, uh, hello again to Elvira Islamovic. tells me that Brozovic is literally the craziest footballer he's ever met. Just live wire buzzing. You don't know what's coming next. And yeah, the, the, the distance covered was amazing. Shooting power is another big factor from Brozovic. So in my opinion, if those three have their day then maybe Messi and Argentina don't. I just have an instinct that Argentina have come closer to that naked desire that they didn't show in Russia when they lost 3-0 to Croatia in the group game. That the, 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 There's a bit of Croatia in Argentina right now and that might be enough. And, and everything that Graham is saying about the midfield, I said earlier that it's it, the, the team selection will depend on Di Maria's fitness and if Di Maria isn't fit, they'll probably play the five. But there is another option that Paredes plays as well and they, they play an extra midfield. And I think everything that Graham's pointing out um, it suggests that that will be a serious option if Di Maria is not fit. OK, just before we close, um, listener, a, a message if you're getting um, excited and perhaps wistful for, for fantastic Croatian international adventures of yesteryear, then two or perhaps three episodes below this one on the feed, we reposted the um, most relevant parts to this tournament of our previous big interview with Slavin Bilic, which is one of my personal favourites, and sees him focus on the great Croatia team of Euro 96 and World Cup 98. If you have listened to it, maybe when it first came out a few years ago, great time to get back into it. If you've never heard it, I urge you to check out Slavin Bilic on the big interview. It really was fantastic. And now to close... Rehman Mohamed, thank you very much for getting in touch, says the prospect of a Croatia v Morocco final has me cheering on the underdogs. Croatia don't get the credit they deserve despite an impressive showing, but I would love to see the birthplace of Hisham Zero Ali and Rashid Belabed lift the trophy stand free. Now listen, there's a chance, however small, that some of our listeners and perhaps a third of the people currently on this call aren't incredibly familiar with those two Ooh, names. So we shall start, I think, with um, with a primer from our Northeast correspondent, Graham Hunter. Um, what Rehman is talking about, and thank you, Stand Free Rehman, fantastic. What he's talking about is um, two of our North African contingent who uh, played in, in the mighty two-star dandies. Um, and... As much as I enjoyed Belabed, zero as is a zero as he was going to hit him, who died tragically young in a in a car accident, and who is celebrated on Twitter every week of every month of every season because he was pretty magical. I'll Raman, I'll I'll give you a little tale. When I was in the was it Education City, 
It was Education City that Morocco knocked Spain out. And when you're doing my job, you're called to come down before the end of the match, to stand in the tunnel, to wait for interviews rather than be up watching the whole thing. And sometimes you're allowed in the tunnel or poke your nose out and see it again. But usually what happens is you're in the flash area watching the TV. And I'll answer by saying the the Burley, and Pete might know him better, it's the BN correspondent for Spain that you see mostly in Barcelona. I think he's Ashraf. And... He's he's a really well-known character around Spanish football, but he's of Moroccan heritage. So he was pacing around and chewing his pen and cursing in Arabic and, and talking to his colleagues in French, in and out of French, and then he turns and sees me. And I don't know why I chose to speak in... Who's, who wrote Train Spotting? Um, but I, I spoke it, I decided, I had it in my head. Uh, bonsoir, uh, Vassa, Voisin, uh, all right, neighbour. I don't know why I went for French. On uh, souffre. I went, we're suffering here. And he just went, Aberdeen. Hitcham, Hitcham Zeroli. And turned and walked away. <laughs> so Ashraf and Bian, thank you very much indeed. Rechman, if, if you don't know um, now the way in which both Zero and I spread the dandy name around the world. That, that has to be some evidence for you. What was the actual damn question, Neil? Which <laughs> I'd love to see the birthplace of Hitcham and Rashid lift a trophy. Yeah, come on. If Bono has got anything to do with it, it can happen. Come on, Casablanca, Rabat, Fez. Bring it on. Croatia, bring it on Argentina, Morocco, France. It's going to be Morocco, Croatia. I've changed my mind during this broadcast. The mention of the dandies makes me think that it's a red and white team against Morocco. There you are, stand free. Pete, where, in all seriousness, or in, in most seriousness, <laughs> where does this breakthrough <laughs> performance from Morocco kind of rank in the World Cup stories that you've seen down the years? Well, for first African team to reach the semis, obviously. Um, it'd be interesting to see what happens after the final. I mean, there could be one hell of a bum fight for a lot of these players because, um, you know, they're not at big clubs. I think Guani's at, at Angers, bottom of the of League One. Um, I thought uh, Atiat was brilliant um, in the quarterfinal. I mean, he's, he's playing in Morocco at the moment, I think. So there's going to be one hell of um, um, an avalanche of interest for those players it's great for for Moroccan football um I think um where they might be undone against France is that um France will be able to get in behind them in, in a way that Spain weren't able to do and in a way that Portugal weren't able to do I think when I watched the the Spain Portugal game the sorry the Spain Morocco game I came away with with the idea that Morocco defended deep and that's why Spain had had, had floundered and not been able to to penetrate but they hadn't really defended that deep. But what they do is there's so little space between the furthest player they have, their furthest player forward and their, and their deepest player. They're so tight, no space in between lines. But they don't necessarily defend particularly deep. And, and I think Portugal's inability and, and Spain suffered the same way and not been able to get in behind. I think France, with Mbappe and Dembele, will be able to, to do that. I think Morocco are going to miss Tadira as well. It sounds daft to say it, he hasn't started, but... He, he, he comes on and gives them so much energy from the bench and he's a goal threat as well. And he's obviously the one player um, who, who, who's suspended and so misses the game. Um, it, it's been an incredible tournament for them. I mean, they, they, 
I was desperately unhappy when they beat Spain because I wanted to see more of Spain. I thought there was so much more to come of Spain. And I didn't think Morocco offered too much in that game, apart from incredible resistance. Um, but then in, in the quarterfinal, it was a different story. I thought they... I thought they deserved to go through against Portugal. Amrabat has been sensational. They've got two or three players, Oyanay, alongside him, who will probably end up in the team of the tournament, which is an incredible achievement in itself. Um, and, yeah, it's, it, it is the story of the World Cup. When Saudi Arabia beat Argentina, I, I thought maybe the Saudis would, would be the story, but not, not so. Morocco, the team of the, of the tournament, almost regardless of who wins it. Great. Listener, there we will leave our preview of semi-final one for now pete jensen thank you very much graham hunter thanks as always and we'll be back with you very soon